Hi there, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. Super excited today about sharing a really special podcast interview that I did with a dear friend of mine who's a very smart cat, Dr. Jesse Green. Jesse is a dentist who has made the very brave decision of deviating from the traditional pathway and coaches uh, other dentists on how to create a super successful practice, both from a profitability, time, um, team, and patient point of view. Um, and now what I really love about this particular interview is that Jesse's a very insightful kind of guy. And, you know, some of the things that he shares in this interview are some of the lessons that he gleaned from childhood, which really shaped his motivations for creating wealth. Um, he's got great clarity around, you know, what wealth means to him from a legacy perspective. And he also shares some really fascinating insights into what he would do if he had to start over again. And, you know, I guess the extension of that is where opportunities for younger investors might lay. Now, for those of you who'd like to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. Now on with the show. Jesse Green, so awesome to have you on this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Selena. It's an absolute treat and pleasure to be here. So look, um, as you may be aware, Freedom Warrior is very much about trying to, you know, open the vault around strategies and tactics, but also people's stories. And um, you're someone I, I've gotten to know over the last few years and I love your story. I love who you are and um, how you show up in business. So um, today, you know, I guess the, the question that I want to open with is... Um, really to try and understand a little bit about you and your relationship with money. Tell me a little bit about how money showed up in your home growing up. Like what sort of lessons did you learn? How did it kind of, you know, influence you? Wow. Okay. Straight to the deep and meaningful Straight stuff. to the deep. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> buck, buck, buckle up. Um, all right. It's early in the morning still. Jeez. Um, so I think Selena, you and I have had a few conversations around this in the past and, um, I think it's probably fair to say I grew up in a household where there was a lot of love and not a lot of money. And so, you know, for some people that experience shapes them for others, it just washes over them. For me, it was a defining moment or part of my life. So when I was, you know, from a very young age, I, I can think of five or six years old. I remember my parents being constantly stressed about money, constantly worried about money, never having enough. And my parents never really, uh, learn to master money, you know, in, in a long-term manner. I mean, they're okay now, but I would say that for most of their life, it's been a source of frustration and, and anxiety. So as a five or six-year-old, I remember vividly walking out of my bedroom, and this is in the 1970s, so just please remember this. And I remember my mother um, chain-smoking, um, you know, and I remember... <laughs> I remember she had a big blue glass ashtray, very 70s, and she was chain-smoking and fretting and worrying about whether or not the house might be repossessed. And so I remember as a five or six-year-old not really being able to process that and thinking that that meant that we would be imminently homeless. 
And, and I'm not sure exactly how close to that situation we were in, in reality or whether, you know, how much was my mother's anxiety, how much was the reality of the situation. But as a five or a six-year-old, you know, nuance doesn't really come into it. You're quite literal. So I was very, very uh, stressed and anxious about that. I took on my mother's stress and anxiety. Um, and, you know, we could have a conversation about whether or not you should share those frustrations or, or <laughs> concerns with your kids. But that's another another podcast. So for me, I remember very, very vividly at a young age thinking, I will never, ever be in this position again. So for me, financial security, financial abundance has been a, a massive driver in my life. Probably more than is helpful, but, you know, it's been a big part of my life. From a from a different perspective, though, that um, that sort of scenario, the fact that you remember it so vividly, clearly illustrates what an impact it had. You know, is there are there any sort of money habits or beliefs that you feel you've had to overcome? I think um, yes, and and I'll tell you how, if I may. Um, so I remember, you know, growing up in a family where there was a scarcity around money. And so there's a belief that, you know, you had to work really hard, you had to sacrifice and all of those things. And, and I still actually carry that belief to an extent. Um, but I also realize that you can create money now. And probably the big turning point of my life came when my father uh, got a job to go overseas, a career-defining moment. He went overseas as a family, or we went overseas as a family. And that was their financial gateway through to better times. As part of that process, I went to boarding school. And so therefore, you know, a whole new world opened up before me. I saw people from the country. I saw people from all walks of life, the seriously, seriously rich uh, through to the seriously, seriously down to earth and everything in between. And so from about the age of 11, in essence, I left home at about the age of 11. And so yeah, which is pretty young. And so from that point on, my parents were no longer the primary influence in my life. And, uh, and that, again, has good sides and bad sides. Um, but from a wealth point of view, it made me realize, you know, actually, mum and dad's, you know, view of life is only one, perspe one perspective. And so that's where that really came from. So I think in terms of having to overcome things, there's probably the scarcity yeah, I mean, the reason I'm, I'm asking that question is that um, often people who suffer from, you know, a, a lack of money in their childhood, one of the extensions of that is often they can be very stingy and, you know, come from that scarcity mentality around money. But my experience of you is you, you, you are very generous around, you know, the application of money. So obviously you learnt that somewhere after that period of time. Look, my father is really generous. Uh, my father, you know, as much as there might have been financial pressure and strain, he would give you the last cent he had. Um, and yeah, he's probably, for me, a, a great role model, someone who I look up to. My dad is, um, you know, one of my best mates. And so I think that generosity, you know, if I'm nothing compared to him, uh, he, he's, he's a legend in that area. But I think for me, Selena, what I've learned to do is, uh, learned where I want to spend money and where I don't want to spend money. And so I'm very frugal in some elements of my life. I mean, you've been to our house. Um, you, you know that there are things that I don't spend money on and you'll know that there are things where, you know, by some other people's standards, I'd be extravagant, you know, where I spend money. So for me, it's just 
where do I want to spend it? And, and I'm trying to be conscious about that. Yeah, I love that. I, um, I think one of the qualities that you definitely possess, which I've, I've seen demonstrated over the last few years, is you, you have great determination and grit when it comes to you know, achieving goals in whatever arena. Now, you obviously run a, a very successful coaching business right now, coaching dentists. But the question I have for you is, um, you know, on a scale of, say, one to ten, have you felt making money has been easy or hard? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, <laughs> so I would say if ten is hard and one's easy, I would say various times in my life I've found it easier or harder than at other periods. But I, I guess overall, I would probably say, you know, six or seven, you know, five, six or seven, a little bit over halfway. Um, you know, I've always been lucky to be in a profession that's earned pretty well. And so, you know, it was never so much about income. It was perhaps, you know, managing the expenses and using the, the cash that did come in well. I don't know who said it, but someone more famous than, uh, than I know said, you know, it's not how much you make, but how much you keep. Yeah, I love that. So look, my, my extension of that question then is really, you know, you're, you're in a situation now where you're well past the earning a living, you know, earning money to put food on the table. You're, you're in the realms of, you know, really being able to, you know, luxuriously play with a little bit of the money that you, that you earn. Um, you know, how has that changed your experience of creating money and changed the way you think about money? Not a great deal, to be honest with you, Selena. Um, great. Um, I think, you know, and again, no, this, this is just a personal value set. There's nothing to say that it's the right way or the only way. It's just how I view things. Um, again, it's coming back to being conscious about how you spend money. So for me, I, I am at a point now, I'm 49, 49 now, and materially, there's not much that I really want. And, uh, it, you, know, you know, it'd be nice to have a super duper sports car and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But in reality, we've got a nice car, nice houses, you know, we've got enough. And so I don't really aspire to the material wealth that I used to aspire to. So I guess for me, Selena, it hasn't really changed that much. I don't travel business class. Yeah, we could, but I just for some reason, I guess that upbringing still is there with me. I kind of go, yeah, I don't need to spend that. <laughs> what else could I do with that? So it hasn't really changed that much. It sounds really boring. Maybe I need to go out and get a life. Not but... at all. No, I mean, it's, um, it's actually re quite refreshing. So no, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. I think I'm just, I like simple things, Selena. And you know, maybe that's lucky. No, I can appreciate that. I'm, I'm sure you've told me in the past about times where your highest value or priority would be sitting around watching the sport or cricket or something. <laughs> yeah, so I'll happily spend money to go and watch cricket. I'll happily go and spend money to travel to England to watch a test match because that's experiences for me. So yeah. I, like, I like to spend money on experiences, not stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's just that's great. Just no, I love that. Look, let's um let's change tack a little bit. You've mm -hmm. um you've been someone who I've long known has been uh, an avid investor. Um, 
if you were to think back to maybe, you know, around the time that you joined the workforce, um, what were some of the earlier decisions that you made in your investing journey that, that had a big impact, positive or negative? Okay, so probably the most positive thing I did. Um, so I had a scholarship when I was in uni. I got a um, scholarship to join the Navy as a dentist. So from third year of university, I was earning a salary, um, which wow. again, was great. Right? So, and again, it was a very deliberate choice, but you know, I graduated from university back in the nineties with, I think you know, 15 or $20,000 in the bank and, um, and a car and 15 or 20 grand back then, obviously it was more than it is now, but notwithstanding that most of my uh, colleagues graduated with student debt and no money. And so I graduated with virtually zero student debt and a bit of money. And the thing that I learned very, very early on was to save. And so the probably the number one thing that I did that has had an impact on me was to always pay myself first. And you know, it's that old chestnut, um, pay yourself first and then use that money to go into your wealth account or to do something productive with. And I've been doing that my entire working life. Uh, there have been periods where perhaps I've taken a pause on that when we had a little bit of financial duress around the GFC. But um, by and large, I've been very, very good at quarantining money for investment purposes. So irrespective of the vehicle, excuse me, and I can tell you which vehicles I've you know, crashed and burned with, if you like, um, but uh, um, I've always had an ability to just put that money aside. That's probably been the thing. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one of the, the words that I use a lot is this concept of stewardship, which I believe is a, a word that's pretty much died out in, modern, in the modern world. But if you, um, if you think about how your stewardship has changed as your income has grown, has, has there been much of a shift or, or not so much? In terms of how I look after money and, and yeah, how, how you I... care for it, how you look after it. I think um, it's changed. It's certainly changed because I've got two daughters now. And so, you know, that's a big life circumstance that causes you to think about those things in perhaps a slightly different way. So for me, I'm thinking a lot about legacy now. And I know that you talk a lot about legacy. I know that's something that your clients, you know, really engage you for to build that legacy beyond this generation and into the next and beyond. And so I think a lot about legacy. I think a lot about, you know, what I'm leaving behind and not just in the financial sense, but in the habit sense and how to care for money. So that, the habits around money. So I think that's something that I, I feel quite strongly about is how can I instill good financial habits for my children? And then how can I leave them uh, an annuity or an income stream that is going to feed them into the future rather than giving them a big pot of money? Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer. I think um, one of the things that's really useful for people to kind of understand, because often from the outside, people can look at people like you and say, boy, he's just, he's got it easy. You know, lucky him, you know, he, he's really lucky. There's no, you know, maybe no, not that cut through to see what you had to do to get, you know, where you are. But if you were to think about your journey um, around, making money, building wealth. And, in, and let's, let's assume that your business forms one of your greatest assets as well. What, what's been the greatest struggle or tension around creating wealth for you? Hmm. Probably not knowing what to do with it. 
um, has been probably the biggest struggle of thinking I've got this cash here and what, how do I make it productive? And so, you know, I think I've lost money in various investments. You know, I could probably, you know, list off a series of really poor decisions over the years that have hurt me financially. And so for me, the accumulation of the nest egg was never the issue. It was making that nest egg productive. And so, you know, I've, I've done the negatively geared property thing. Um, I had some shares around 2001 in tech stocks. Um, you know, for those of us older, old enough to remember the dot-com boom and bust, um, you know, I've taken the share tip from the barbecue and thought that I you know, had some sort of inside scoop and, you know, only to lose the money. So I think for me, it's been, how do I create a simple plan that, doesn't have to be you know super convoluted and complex but is going to be you know pretty rock solid and just executing on a series of fundamentals to deliver that return month in month out quarter in quarter out year in year out how do i do that that's probably been my particular challenge that i've needed to figure out and overcome yeah i love that tell me um you know, one of the things that they, you know, Trump is asked and various other celebrities who are known for their wealth are asked is, um, you know, if, if money wasn't there tomorrow and you had to start over, what would you do first? Like if, if tomorrow you woke up and, you know, the bank accounts were empty and maybe the business wasn't there, what would you do? Well, perhaps after wallowing for 10 minutes, um, I would... <laughs> I probably I'd, I'd probably have a little cry for a moment or two. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, um, I, and I know everyone says, "Oh, I'll just go out and create it all again." Um, so I think probably the first thing I'd do is sell something. Uh, I would conjure up something in my mind. I'd figure out who my market was, um, and I'd figure out a problem that that market had, and I would sell a solution to that market. That would be the first thing I'd do. And then after I'd sold it, I'd hurriedly build it. Yeah! Wow, that's phenomenal. That's very much the entrepreneurial mind at work there. <laughs> well, yes. How do I get money quickly? You know, figure out a problem, think of a solution, test it in the market, sell it, and then then pedal like crazy and build it. What a great reply. I love that. That's terrific. Um, in your opinion, um, yeah. you know, the, the younger generation today are saddled with a lot of complexities and stresses that maybe you or I didn't have, you know, for younger people coming through, where do you see the greatest opportunities for creating wealth over the next decade? Um, well, I'm not a particularly, you know, I'm not an expert in this area, Selena, but I think uh, for the younger generation, certainly they've got some challenges that perhaps we didn't have you know, in terms of house prices being whatever multiple of income that, that it is today that it wasn't years ago and all those other things. But I think the biggest challenge, sorry, the biggest opportunity for young people today is to invest in themselves. And one of the things that I've always tried to teach our kids is to make themselves invaluable to the organisation. And that means sometimes delivering more than they're actually paid for, to become that person, that go-to person, that indispensable person. Because when you're coming from that position, when it comes to negotiations, you're coming from a position of strength and you're coming from having delivered value and demonstrating value before being paid. What I see happening, and again, maybe this is just the old man in me 
perhaps you know these grey whiskers you know perhaps convey a degree of crankiness or grumpiness. I don't know. But one of the things I notice with the younger generation is they're in a hurry to go to the top without having earned their stripes. And so I think, you know, if you want to be paid well, you've got to deliver well. You're paid in direct proportion to the value that they bring to the organisation. So my, my uh, I suppose, opportunity that I think of for younger people is to invest in their own education to invest in themselves, to be able to deliver more than, than is expected of them, to, you know, exchange in a fair way rather than a demanding way. And then, of course, if someone's doing the wrong thing by them, of course, for other things. But I think I would be saying to the younger people, a little bit of patience is, is important. Um, and, you know, if you think of that wonderful bottle of wine, Grange Hermitage, it takes time to build a great bottle of wine. You know, those grapes have to grow. They have to mature on the vine. And then, of course, they've got to go through whatever process that the winemaking process is. And if you think of your life as creating a bottle of Grange, you know, there's a process and a time frame and a maturation that's involved rather than a cheap bottle of cask wine down at the local bottler, you know. And it seems to me that a lot of these young kids are thinking about the short-term rather than thinking the longer term. So that's probably a little bit rambly, Selena, but I think that would be my, my advice and counsel to younger people. I actually, that was metaphorically just so elegant. I love the, I love that. That's a, a really, I think a really uh, unique distinction. I've never heard that. So um, yeah, appreciate that reply. I, um, I'd like to kind of round out with, with one last question, sure. which is, um, you know, you've sort of touched on a few different things, but what does financial success mean to you? Like, what is really the aspiration around continuing to grow your business, continuing to invest? What, what does that look like for you? Um, look, I could, I mean, I know we've had this conversation off air, so I could probably give you some precise numbers and, and spreadsheets and pivot tables and what it all looks like <laughs> um, and get really nerdy with it. But I think, you know, to speak, to, to the audience here on this podcast, for me, it's really about choice. Um, it all comes back to choice, uh, freedom of choice in lots of different ways, you know, freedom of choice to do what I want to do when I want to do it with whom I want to do it. So freedom of choice at every level, economic choice, personal choice, healthcare choice, you know, um, lifestyle choices. That's really what it means to me. And so it depends on you know, how much choice you want to have in your life and what, what that means. So for me, um, that's probably the big driver. And the second big driver, as we mentioned a bit earlier, is to make sure that when, when I'm pushing up daisies that, you know, my kids and hopefully their kids uh, are going to be, you know, better off for us having been here and putting some things in place for them. Um, and that, that's really, I think, what success looks like for me. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Really appreciate that, Jesse. Look, um, I think we'll probably round out there. I could, I could really talk to you for hours on end as, as we've talked about in the past, but yeah. um, really appreciate you being part of the show today and uh, just want to say, yeah, just continue to do good work and, yeah, really appreciate your friendship. Oh, well, thank you for having me on the show, Selena. It's been an absolute pleasure and a treat and um, I really appreciate the work that you do and, um, you know, when we think of people who have been influential in my life uh, from a you know, friendship and a financial point of view, you know, certainly you're you're up there as well and you know you always tell me that your network is your 
our net worth and I'm very pleased to be able to include you as a friend as well as as a you know, counsel uh, on the financial side of things. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast and a few things before you take off. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast to help more people find it. Also, each week I send out a unique email newsletter where I share some of the most cutting edge and interesting things I've found during the week to help you on your journey to financial freedom. And finally, if you're interested in fast tracking towards being financially free, please check out my programs where I help you get onto the path of generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. If you're interested, head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.